in our third episode of the series entitled The Goat, which means the greatest of all time. Pastor John Mark Caton talks about Jesus being our mediator. In relation to that, Jesus is also the perfect God-man. Plus, Jesus paid for our sins. Now let's hear from Pastor John Mark. All right, thank you so much, Justin. And we are, look, I do want to encourage you guys, bring some friends uh, next Tuesday uh, to this man's Christmas party. We are going to have some fun, and uh, we will have uh, a disclaimer. Uh, we'll have a lawyer here as we get started that uh, anything, sa- anything said or done does not represent the pastor or Cottonwood Creek Church, but they're Justin Hillhouse's opinions and his opinions alone. Uh, but hey, uh, bring some friends, bring your, uh, bring your kids. Uh, I will tell you, they're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to set it up. That's what we want. Um, we're a big believer here at Cottonwood Creek that, you know, sometimes dudes just need to be dudes. Do we understand that? And uh, so there won't be any flowers here, nothing but uh, uh, nothing but fun things for guys. And so I want to invite us to turn uh, to First Timothy chapter two, uh, looking at verse five through seven as we uh, as we continue in this series entitled "The Goat, the Greatest of All Time." And today we're going to continue to talk about Jesus. When we really think as uh, looking at God's word, there are a lot of incredible men of faith in God's word. Uh, that you and I could study, and we do that from time to time, but we thought right around Christmas that we would look at the ultimate goat, who is Jesus, who is the, in fact, the greatest of all uh, time. And so let me just read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 to 7, and that's going to be kind of our home base uh, for the day. But here's what it says, and this is the Apostle Paul uh, writing uh, to Timothy, uh, who is the pastor who had also been his protege, his disciple, Timothy is pastoring Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. And here's what Paul says. He says, Timothy, don't ever forget, there is only one God and one mediator between God and mankind. And that man was Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And he says, this has now been witnessed to at the proper time, and for this purpose I was appointed as a herald and an apostle. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. And a true and faithful teacher to the Gentiles. Now, as, as Paul is talking to Timothy and he's talking to the church in Ephesus, what he is saying is, guys, don't ever forget. There is one mediator between God and man. It's not me, your pastor. It's not someone on staff. Uh, it's not a priest. It's not anyone else. Uh, it's not praying through the Virgin Mary. It's none of that. There is one mediator between God and man and God and mankind, and that person is Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at kind of who Jesus is, but we're also going to see what he did. And one of the things that it says he did is it says he gave himself as a ransom for all. Probably from a, an American perspective, the two, uh, the two most common or well thought of uh, maybe kidnapping events that have taken place. One was uh, J. Paul Getty. How many of you remember that? If you have saw an incredible story about it, uh, that these Italian mobsters uh, got the grandson of J. Paul Getty, and I think they uh, asked for a ransom of $17 million for this son. And remember uh, the eldest Getty, 
what he said, he said, I'm not going to pay it, right? How would you feel about that? He's worth billions and billions and billions of dollars, not willing to pay $17 million. And then if you remember what happened, the Italian mobsters actually cut off his ear and, and mailed it to the local press and said, and this is just the beginning. And they start cutting off parts of his body. And finally, the eldest Getty was willing. They finally paid $3 million for him. You remember that? The eldest Getty was willing to pay $2.2 million for him. Anybody remember or know why he was willing to pay $2.2 million to ransom his grandson out of the Italian mobster's hands? Anybody remember? Huh? No, not insurance. That was the largest tax deduction he could give that day. So they ended up paying $3 million to ransom the grandson out from the Italian mobsters. The, the eldest Getty only paid $2.2 million of the $3 million because that was all he could write off on his taxes. Now, I don't know about you, how would you feel if you were that ransomed grandson that your granddad basically said, well, I'm willing to toss in $2.2 million. Why that number? Because I can write that off. All right, and then the father of the son actually threw in the other 700,000. There's another one, this one happened out in California a number of years ago. How many of you remember the story of Patty Hearst? Right, remember Patty Hearst, she was a student in California, Cal Berkeley, I believe, and she was kidnapped basically uh, by a, a bunch of folks that really were anti-rich people and their ransom was, if you don't remember this, they wanted, the Hearst family to pay, give $70 worth of food to everybody who was in, indigent in all of uh, California. And they wanted to give that amount of money and uh, it was a liberation organization, that's really the way they felt. And uh, the, parent, the family didn't do that much, but they did, by the way, if you go back and read the story, they did send a bunch of food to a bunch of people and then they end up not letting her go. And do you remember why they wouldn't let her go? They said, well, that, that happened later. They said the food wasn't good enough. All right. So they bought all this food, delivered it to all these needy families. They end up saying that's not good enough because the food you gave the needy people wasn't good enough food. Now, here's the interesting part about her is she's one of the most well-known cases of what is referred to as the Stockholm syndrome. How many of you know what that is? It's when a captive begins to identify more with the captors than their original people they were taken from, their own family. And so Patty Hearst, in the midst of that, begins to identify more with her captors than she does her own family and later becomes part of that same liberation organization. And so as I thought about really Jesus Christ giving his life as the ransom for all, when Christ came down to this earth, when God chose to send His Son as a ransom, God didn't set a limit on how much He would give. God didn't set a limit on, I'm willing to go this far. I'm willing to do this much. God doesn't look at you and you and you and you and praise God. He doesn't look at me and says, I'm willing to pay for this much sin. But you've got to do the rest on your own. God didn't step back and, and do, think, well, what are my eternal taxes? And what can I write off against John Mark's sin? 
I'm so grateful that the God of the universe who spoke the world into existence, who loves you and loves me with an everlasting love, didn't look at us and put a value on us. Instead, he declared us amazingly valuable. Not because we are valuable, but because he chose to see us as value, valuable. Now, the bigger problem for many of us and many who will hear the message of Christ and talk about the birth of Jesus Christ as we go through this season, they won't accept the gift of God. Instead, they will develop a spiritual Stockholm Syndrome. Instead of being willing to be bought back by the creator of the universe and allow their sins to be forgiven... Instead, people will identify more with their sin, more with their brokenness, more with Satan, more with their lostness, more with the captiveness to, that we are to sin. Instead of saying, man, God, release me and forgive me of all of my sins. And so as we think about who Jesus Christ is, the greatest of all times, the ultimate goat, you and I need to see ourselves like that. We are captive to Satan. Do we all understand that? We're captive to our sin. There has been a price tag placed on your sin and mine that none of us could have ever paid. But it's already been paid. And we get a choice. We can stay in our sin. We can live in our sin. We can identify with our sin. We can reject God's grace. Or we can ultimately accept the payment for our sins. And so my prayer for every guy in this room and every person who's going to walk into the worship services over the next couple of weeks in those five Christmas Eve services is that when they hear the message of the gospel, that they would not say, I'm going to stay in my sin. I'm going to stay in my captivity. I'm going to stay separated from God. And the tragic reality is a lot of people will make that decision. A lot of people will hear the message that the ransom has been paid. All I have to do is receive by faith the gift of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is reminding Timothy to remind the church about. And so therefore, if it was good enough for the Apostle Paul to remind Timothy, to remind Ephesus, it's good enough for me as your pastor to take these words and remind you today of the incredible ransom that God has delivered for all of us, the payment for all of our sins. So let me just read it to you again. He says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. That man is Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And this is how this has been witnessed at the proper time. That's important. And for this purpose... Paul says, I was appointed as a herald and an apostle to the Gentiles. And so I want you to know, not only was Paul appointed as a herald and an apostle, so are we. Guys, part of when we invite you to serve and to love and be a part of the church, it's not just so that you can receive. It's so that we both and we together can then talk to other people about the ransom that was paid. So anytime you sit in a message or sit in here on a Tuesday morning, my prayer, our prayer, is that you would take this thought and take this idea and that you would share it with other people. 
Share it with your family. Share it with those you work with. Talk about this reality. When someone drops in, especially this season of year, when someone do, uh, drops in, the, the cost of a gift. It's easy to say, you know, the greatest cost that was ever paid, right, was on the cross over 2,000 years ago. And, and that was a ransom that was paid to buy you and me back. I mean, think about your kids. It, well, at least think about the ones you like. All right, how many have more than one kid, right? You could probably hard rank your kids. I could, I want to be honest. Uh, anything said before seven, right? You could hard rank your kids, which ones I like the most, top to bottom. Uh, I see some of y'all smirking and smiling. You know what I'm saying, you love them all. But let me ask you a question. If all of a sudden, right now, somebody took one of your kids, how much would you be willing to pay? Probably everything you got. Everything you got. I would. And that's just a small sense when we think about God's everlasting and eternal love for you and me. A love for an earthly father, for an earthly son, or an earthly father, for an earthly daughter, does not compare to the infinite love a heavenly father has for an earthly son or daughter. And so when we look at Jesus, Jesus is the ransom that was paid by God who created it all. And guys, if you doubt your value, if you ever doubt your value because of something that has happened in your life, maybe you've been laid off, maybe you've been through a relational difficulty, maybe it seems like the world is consistently and constantly kicking dirt in your face. Maybe you feel like you're not as valued as others. Maybe you don't feel like you're as valued as your siblings or someone else around you or someone else in your neighborhood. Can I tell you to look beyond the price tag of what other humanity and other humans have put on you and look ultimately to the price tag that God has placed on you, that he says you are worth it all. And I'm going to send my son. And he is going to pay it all. And he's a ransom for all. Look, look at what uh, Paul said over to the Corinthian believers. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. Now what he's saying, he's saying, listen, you and I were absolutely poor. We were broke spiritually. We are broke morally. In our mindset and our thoughts, we are broke. In our relationships, we are broke. When it comes to interacting with other people, we are broken people. We let people down. How many of you know? How many of you ever let anybody down? Man, I have. I've dropped the ball, I've blown it. I, I, there are times that people could say, you know what, Pastor, you're worthless. And man, there are a lot of people that say it. I don't, I don't think I'm worthless to everybody. But there are certain people that they've written me notes and say, man, I just want you to know you really hurt me, you let me down here. And the reality, I'll look at that note and I'll go, man, I dropped the ball. I dropped the ball. There have been times, I'll tell you, on a Sunday morning that I've been standing out here and someone will come and tell me, Want something heart-wrenching that has happened in their life 
maybe they lost a father or lost this or, hey, pray for this. And in the scurry and the busy of then talking to someone else and talking to someone else, I just flat out forgot. And I, maybe I even said, I'm going to call you. And I just forgot. And guess what? I've dropped the ball. And the vast majority of people are gracious and loving, but there have been times that I'll get a note in my office and say, you know, you said you were going to call. And I'm like, man, you're right. And I pick up the phone and say, I'm just sorry. And I'm like, man, I was worthless in that situation. That was not my desire. It wasn't my heart. It just happened because why I'm human, right? And you've done the same thing. My guess is you can look around and you can say, man, I, I wasn't a great dad here. That's part of being broke. That's part of being sinful. Or maybe, maybe there's been a relationship that you say, you know, I just, I just wasn't a great husband. Or perhaps I wasn't a great son. Or maybe I wasn't a great, I wasn't a great employee. Or maybe I wasn't a great, I don't know. My guess is I could list a long list, but I don't need to give you your list. How many of you know where you've messed up? See, your list is different than mine. And I love what Paul says here. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our sake, or your sake, He became poor. You know that word, your? Just insert your name. Though Jesus was rich, for John Mark's, Mark's sake, He became poor. You just add your name. Insert your name so that through his poverty we might become rich. I read a story not long ago of, of, of a guy whose aunt passed away. And uh, he didn't have a great relationship with his aunt, but what they knew is because of the family, it was his mom's sister that uh, this was a California home. You may remember this story years ago. Uh, and so he said, mom, all right, mom, I'll go over there. I'll help you clean up the house so we can ultimately sell it. They're cleaning up the house, getting it ready. Uh, he kind of went in this little closet in this room and, and opened up uh, this little metal box. There wasn't much worth, worth anything in the house. And in this metal box, he began to look, and they began to just throw most of the things away. And then he got around to looking in that metal box, and there were 360 comic books in it. And as he began to look through these comic books, he, he thought initially, that's kind of neat. And then all of a sudden, he began to research some of these comic books that there wasn't worth much in the house. The house was a little bitty house. It was dirty. It was nasty. She had lived along for a long time. And then he began to research some of these comic books, and one of them was the first edition of one of the comic books where Spider-Man first showed up. And then one of the other comic books was the first edition of one of the comic books that Batman showed up. He ended up selling the entire collection, 360 comic books, for over $3.5 million. And you think, not much, but worth the world. And so guys, I want you to know, when we think about, you might think, man, I just got a bunch of comic books in my life, a bunch of tragic mistakes in my life. Can I tell you that Jesus said, I'm willing to pay everything for it. The joke of your life, the pow, the bam, the wham of your life and my life, Jesus says, I'm willing to pay anything and everything for it. And that's exactly what Paul says. 
So you say, all right, pastor, well, who is this Jesus? Let me give you a thought. Go back up to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. He says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, mankind, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. So who is he? Over in Philippians chapter 2, just so you get it, Paul told us who he was. Look at what he says in verse 5. He says, in your relationships, that's with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus had, who being in the very nature, that, that word nature is the Greek word morphe, all right, and being in very form, what was he the form of? Being in very nature God, he did not regard equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature, that's the Greek word mor morphe there, the nature of a servant or a man being made in human likeness. When you think about who Jesus Christ was, yeah, we're going to come to the manger in Bethlehem and we're going to think about baby Jesus. And I love talking about baby Jesus and, and celebrating the birth of baby Jesus. But in his very nature, Paul says, in his form, his morphe, we get our English word morphology. Paul says, you know who this Jesus was? In his very nature, he was God. But then he says, also, he took on the very form, the morphe, of mankind. So when you hear me or somebody else, maybe a life group teacher or some other preacher say, Jesus was fully God and fully man, Philippians 2 tells us right there is that Jesus was fully God and fully man. In the person Jesus Christ, when we look at the manger, we look at a mite in the manger. We look at God in a manger who is chosen to be a ransom for us all that Jesus Christ became a human being. Why? That's the only way He could become the ransom the payment, the price tag for your sins and mine. He had to become one of us. And so when you think about who is this Jesus, man, this is God. The second person of the Trinity who chose not to take advantage, notice what it says, not to hold on. See, had God just loved us with a sentimental love, He could have sentimentally said, Oh, I'm sorry. For all of eternity, we would all go to hell and spend eternity in hell if God had just said, That's sad. But God went way beyond that sad because God's Son, Jesus Christ, had signed me up to be the ransom. Sign me up to take their place. Sign me up to be the exchange agent. Sign me up to ultimately die on a cross. So when you hear us talk about the God-man, my prayer is that you'll mark somewhere in your notes Philippians chapter 2. And so when someone talks about it, the pastor or someone else says, man, Jesus is fully God, fully man, you'll go right back to Philippians chapter 2 and notice what he says. 
He says he was with equality with God. He didn't choose to hang on to that or use to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature, the morphe, the form of a servant being made in human likeness. And as we think about that idea, over in John chapter 1, verse 1, John uh, says the same thing. Look at it in John ver verse 1. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There it is, Jesus and all of His deity. You might want to mark that passage down as well. When you think about God in a manger, there it is. We've talked over the last couple of weeks on Sunday mornings from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that Jesus is the wonderful counselor. We talked about it two weeks ago, the mighty God. There he is. Sunday we talk about everlasting Father. This Sunday we'll talk about the Prince of Peace. It's talking about the idea that he, he was the ransom. He created peace between you and God. Why? Took away all the enmity. Took away all of our sin paid the price for your sins and mine. Why? So that we can have a relationship with God. And so Paul says, let me tell you about this man, Jesus Christ. He was not just a man. He was also fully God. Now notice the humanity part right there in John chapter 1. Jump down to verse 14. He says, and that word that was with God and were, was God, look at verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, look at these two words, full of grace and truth. So when you think about Jesus Christ the man, the babe in a manger, He is fully God, fully man. He's why, that is why He is ultimately able to be the ransom for all the sins of the world. You have this one perfect flesh, this one perfect man, combined with perfect deity. That means one death for one sin from one man is coupled with the deity of God, which can multiply forgiveness and grace throughout all of eternity. That's why one death on the cross at Calvary over 2,000 years ago can be applied to all the sins of the saints who went before Jesus and all the sins of the saints that come after Him. Is that this one man, Jesus Christ, was fully God, fully man. So when He died to pro provide forgiveness in His humanity for one sin, since He is also God, it is, for, uh, it is forgiveness for all sins. As you journey on, look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Here's another passage that talk about, talks about who this man was, Jesus Christ. It says, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. What is Paul saying to the Colossian believers? Reminding them of the same thing. Don't ever let anyone devalue Jesus. Don't ever let anyone say, you know, Jesus was a good teacher. I love some of the things that he said. I love some of the things that he did. Oh, it was really nice that he healed people. You know, those are all cool things, right? But if Jesus was just a man, there is no forgiveness of sins. Do we understand that? If he wasn't fully God, there is no forgiveness of sins. You say, why do you know that? Well, had he just been a man, 
he would have sinned and you and I don't know about it. Remember Adam? Adam didn't have a sin nature, but he sinned. If Jesus didn't have God nature inside of him, he would have sinned. But Jesus throughout all of eternity was the second person of the Trinity, God the Son. So when he combined himself in fully God, fully man, he didn't sin, which made him the perfect price tag, the ultimate ransom for the sins of the world. So guys, if you sit here and you wonder, does anybody value me? Do I matter? Am I worth anything? Regardless of what the world tells you, can I tell you this? You matter. When God decided to pay for your sins and my sins, He didn't look for the best deal He could get. Do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't look for what He could write off on His taxes. He didn't negotiate. Instead, He says, I'm doing my best. Why? Because that's how much the God who created you and me loves you and me. That He said, I will literally do whatever it takes. I will literally do whatever it takes. And so what did Jesus do on earth? Go back to those verses I read earlier. Who gave himself as a ransom for all people. I love what one writer said about this. Uh, It is not that God is making you rich or simply healing your illnesses or just making you happy. Instead, God is providing complete forgiveness. When we think about Jesus being our ransom for all, a lot of times we have a tendency to think, well, you know, part of what I want God to do when I join a church, when I follow Him, when I accept Christ, I want God to make me rich. Can I tell you that's not God's ultimate goal for your life? I just want you to know that. How many of you can attest that He hasn't, right? But a lot of times, well, okay, if He's not going to make me rich, can He make me healthy? A lot of times that's what we think. All right, God, can you fix me of this illness? Can you get me through this? Can I tell you, that's not God's ultimate purpose for you? God's God's ultimate purpose for you is not to make your life perfect, but to give you perfect forgiveness because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So as you journey toward this Christmas season, I want you to know, as you journey towards this, and we think this week we're going to talk about He is the Prince of Peace. Can I just tell you that if your mindset is that God needs to make me wealthy or healthy or wise or make everything in my life go well, that was never God's purpose for your life. What did the Apostle Paul say? He says, follow me as I follow Christ. How many of you remember Paul saying that? All right. Well, let's think about Christ's life. How did that turn out for him? He loved some guys he called disciples. He washed their feet, then one of them betrayed him. Turned him over to sinful men. What did those sinful men do? They looked at Jesus and said, man, this is a good dude. We shouldn't do anything. That's not what they said. Even though he's completely innocent. And even some of the Roman leaders looked at him and got, man, I, got, I find nothing against this guy. They still beat him, spat on him, mocked him abused him, and nailed him to a cross. And what did Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ. So if we're going to follow Paul, how did that turn out for him? Go read 2 Corinthians. What did Paul say? I was shipwrecked. I was naked. I was hungry. I was bitten by snakes. I was stoned. 
I was chased out of town after town after town after town. So when we think about what was Jesus's ultimate purpose for us, guys, I'm not against you being rich, all right? Especially if you're a tither, I'm very for you being rich. Can I tell you? In Jesus' name. I, am, I, I want you to be healthy. How many of you know, at least the best I can, man, I try to be a good model in the area of health, except for when I come on Tuesday mornings, I'm not the model of health. God's ultimate plan for you is not that you would be rich, not that you would be healthy, not that everything would be perfect in your life, not that you would always become the president and CEO of the company you work for. That's not God's ultimate plan for you. If it was, Paul would have said, hey, as I follow Jesus, you ought to follow someone else. Because you can look through the New Testament. And there were some powerful people in the New Testament who weren't Jesus, how many of you know? Right? There were some rich people in the New Testament who were not Jesus. But none of those guys came as a ransom for your sin or mine. So if we're going to follow Paul, who followed Jesus, we have to understand there are going to be times when God blesses us amazingly. And I will tell you, when you walk with God, you can see blessings where others see curses. Do we understand that? We can see the silver lining when other people see the cloud. Why? Because we can always step back, even when the world devalues us and ignores us, you and I can step back and say, this season of all seasons reminds me that God, the creator of the universe, looked down at me and looked down at you and said, I am willing to pay the ultimate ransom for your forgiveness. Why? So he can spend eternity with us. You say, Pastor, what prevents me from spending eternity with God? Is us developing the Stockholm Syndrome. Where we say, you know what, I, I just like the sin of the world more than I like the Savior of the world. I'm going to say that again. Where I like more the sin of the world than I like the Savior of the world. Because let me tell you what, if you follow the Savior of the world, especially in today's climate, which is actually much more like the New Testament climate. We've had, a, we've had it blessed here in our country. How many of you understand that if you are a person of faith? You look around and it becomes pretty clear that things are changing. Things are changing in the world of academia. That if you're a person of faith, you're going to be laughed at, you're going to mock, be mocked, you're going to be, you're going to be shunned. In the corporate meeting halls, in HR, in large corporations, where people of faith were always welcome, now they're going to be rejected. Maybe in your neighborhood, in the public square, typically where people of faith have been accepted, now we're going to be rejected. And we're going to be faced with a choice. Are we going to identify more with the sin of the world or the Savior of the world? Are we going to develop Stockholm Syndrome or Jesus-following syndrome that says, come hell or high water, whatever comes my way, I'm going to point people to Jesus 
And I'm going to say, follow me as I follow Paul who followed Jesus. See, that's what this season is all about, guys. It is about peace on earth and goodwill to men. But it's also about, also about us standing up and saying, Christ, you said I was so valuable that you were willing to hang on the cross for me. And God sent you as a ransom for lost souls. And I'm that lost person. And so as we leave here today, guys, how much are you worth? How much is God willing to pay for you? Not, not what he can write off. Not what he's willing to give away. But he's willing to pay with his own son, who is the ransom for all. Let's pray. God, as we journey off to uh, the office today, my prayer is, is that we'd leave here knowing we're valuable. God, here's what we know in this world, in this space. Men are being attacked over and over again, especially men who act like men, who talk like men, who walk like men, especially men of faith. God, let us leave here today knowing whose we are, knowing the price that has been paid for us, and let us consistently and constantly look at others and say, follow me as I follow Paul, who followed Jesus, who is the ransom that has been paid for all mankind. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.